Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Without further ado, please help me welcome on Dallas Jenkins. Dallas, how are you tonight? Hey, man, thank you for having me on. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure. You've, uh, you do a lot of great work. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, man. Hey, you know, I told you a little bit earlier, I'm a huge fan of The Chosen, constantly watching it, constantly promoting it and talking about it. And when the chance came to be able to have you on the podcast, I thought this would be a great opportunity to just have a crossover, maybe answer some questions that are misunderstandings or people just flat out are misinformed about when it comes to The Chosen. Maybe some people that love the show, maybe some that don't watch the show. We'll get both of them here tonight. Kind of just talk about from your perspective as the creator, just the show. I would love to maybe start with um, just your testimony, your story of, of how you got saved, how you grew up, and then we'll go into like how you decided to make the chosen and I'll ask you all the nerdy questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a very strong Christian home. My dad, as you mentioned, author of the left behind books, he'd been in, uh, an author for, since he was married, uh, and has uh, done a lot of work in Christian ministry. And so I grew up very much a church kid, very involved in the faith and, uh, became a believer very young. I mean, did the whole sinner's prayer when I was a little kid and grew up in a Christian school and went to Awana and memorized verses and all of that. Uh, but it was fairly early on in my life that I started really enjoying, like I, I was in a fairly protected home. Like we didn't watch a lot of movies and TV. My dad was into that, but as kids, we were fairly safe and protected, but I was always really attracted to film and television. Whenever I would watch it, I was, I would get really into it. And, uh, and also then wondered why whenever I would watch at church, like a video or some sort of like drama or whatever from the church, it was always just, it never looked nearly as good. Yes. It was always really cheesy. I was always kind of embarrassed by it. And, uh, so that was one thing that early on started percolating in my mind that I think dictated where I would end up in my future. I think another thing was my dad's a storyteller. And so, uh, growing up, whenever I would be in Sunday school and you'd you'd hear the stories of Jesus and they do the flanograph things or we'd sing a song about Jesus or we'd talk about him and his friends, I always was the one in imagining what it might have been like outside of just the Bible verses. Like, what was mm. Jesus like hanging out with his friends? What was Jesus like? And I would make jokes and I would imagine Jesus playing cards or Jesus playing a game or Jesus with his siblings or whatever. I would always try to imagine and talk about and make jokes about or or, or even think sometimes serious. Like, I wonder what, what did, what did it look like when he prayed? Like when he would go off by himself mm. and pray, what was that like? And, and when he was at synagogue, you know, he, he attended church just like we do. What was that like? So I, I was doing that fairly early on. Uh, but it wasn't until high school when I saw the movie, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, which is a Jack Nicholson movie from the seventies. And there was a great scene in that movie that really inspired me and got me excited. And I was like emotionally moved. And I thought, all right, I want to do that. Whatever that is, wow. I want to uh, uh, inspire people and viewers the kind of emotional reaction that that I'm having to this. And uh, so I think all of those factors are what kind of were the foundation of where I where I've ended up. 
That's so awesome. Now, obviously, you didn't just start with, we're going to create The Chosen, and you went and made The Chosen. What was your career like getting into like filmmaking? Did you make any other shows before The Chosen? Did you make any movies? Or how did that start? And then from there, what made you want to make The Chosen? Or what was that process even like to say, hey, we're going to create this? I mean, it's a massive undertaking, right, to make the, the story of Jesus. What was that process like for you? So it was back in 1998 when I graduated from college and the left behind books had gotten super popular and there was a small production company that wanted to make them into movies. And so I got a job there working for them as just a, a low level secretary, just helping out where I could. And then a few years went by, I kind of worked my way up a little bit. And then right when they were about to get ready to make that movie, my dad and I could kind of tell that it wasn't going to be the movie we were hoping for. And it wasn't going to be kind of what the direction we thought it should have gone. So we started our own company. And uh, so for about 10 years, I made movies. I was, I was living out in Los Angeles. I made a, a few smaller budget movies, typically independent, had varying degrees of success. And then in uh, 2010, uh, I moved back to Illinois. I got a job at a big mega church that wanted to make movies as well and wanted me to, to be the one to, to, to own it. And uh, very long story short, it was actually in 2017 when a movie that I made uh, with Hollywood, like a bunch of big production companies had seen a short wow. film I'd done and was really excited about it and, and wanted to make multiple movies with me over the next 10 years, faith-based movies. I mean, these are huge production companies. And wow. uh, and the movie was made and I was really excited about it and they were really excited about it. And then it completely bombed, like a total failure at the box office. No. Yeah. And in that day, in that afternoon, I went from being a director with a very bright future to being a director with no future in like two hours because the numbers wow. were so bad. And uh, I'll, I'll try to make this story short, but uh, that afternoon um, I was home alone with my wife and we were crying and praying and confused because so many things had happened to get to that point that felt like they were God led. And then when it was a failure, it was like, oh, I guess God wasn't in this. I guess we were wrong. I guess we must wow. have missed our calling. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe I'm not even supposed to be making movies. And during that time, in our my lowest point, my wife came to me at one point and said, God is putting on my heart as clearly as if it was an audible voice. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was so clear. Uh, and we're like old school Baptists. We're not charismatics and uh, Pentecostals like you guys are. So this is this is new. <laughs> this is new territory for us. You're like God speaking to us. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what's going on? But she was like, this is as clear as a as if it was an audible voice. Read the story of the feeding of the five thousand. And um, so we didn't know why, but we went into that into that story and read it and, and started to try to glean things that we hadn't before. And one of the things that really stood out to us was that when the disciples came to Jesus and told him that the people were hungry and they needed food and that we needed to send them home to get food, he said, oh, no, we can't send them home. They're so hungry. If they faint, if, if we send them home, they'll faint along the way. Mm. And here's what's really interesting about that. He knew that they were hungry. In fact, it was his fault. He's the one who'd been talking for so long. He's wow. the one who brought them to that place of desperation and hunger, where the only thing that could satisfy it was a miracle. He brought mm. them to that place. It wasn't like he was just watching and then kind of stepped in when he saw there was a problem. He was the one who'd been talking. He knew they were hungry. He'd been talking for a couple of days. He brought them to that place. So we thought, okay, that means in our situation that just because we're at this place of desperation and hunger doesn't mean that God wasn't in it. Sometimes, wow. he, sometimes he puts us there. Now, that night, we thought maybe because God was 
teaching us this story that the numbers were going to multiply and that the box office was going to magically turn around. <laughs> We'd have this amazing story to tell. And that didn't happen. The numbers actually got worse in a way. So we were like, so I'm up at night on my computer. And the reason I'm telling you the story is because it's exactly yeah, take why your I'm, time. I love it. This is well, so good. It's, it's exactly why I'm sitting here today. In fact, wearing a shirt five and two with the, the little loaf right here and in, in the, in the fish right love there. Love it. Um, so I'm up at night. It's four o'clock in the morning. And I am typing out a 15 page memo, analyzing everything that went wrong, everything that I did wrong. I'm willing to put the blame on myself. I'm willing to take responsibility, but I am just pounding away. Like, how do I make sure this never happens again? What can I learn from this? How can I solve this problem? Because that's what I am. I'm a problem solver. Mm. And I'm like, the, my results weren't there. They failed. How do I make sure that next time my results are better? And out of the blue, with no hi, no hello, I get a Facebook message just pops up on my computer from someone I've never met. Uh, I, 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 we were Facebook friends. We'd talk maybe once a year randomly, but I'd never met him, didn't know him very well. All it said was, remember, your job is not to feed the 5,000. It's only to provide the loaves and fish. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> was my computer recording what my wife and I have been talking about? Like, how would this guy know to say that? Wow. And so I, I immediately responded. I go, what are you doing up at four in the morning? And he says, well, I'm on a different time zone. I'm in Romania. I'm visiting my brother. And I said, can I ask you why you told me that? And he says, oh, that wasn't me. God told me to tell you that right now. Wow. And in that moment, my life completely changed. And <laughs> I told this story like 400 times and it still gets me because, so it, good. because in that moment, I knew number one, God is there. God is 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 with me he's he's got this he's brought me to this place for a purpose and and but number two was my whole perspective changed i mm. it took me over 40 years to learn that concept of when you make your loaves and fish and we do have a responsibility to do that jesus could have just magically had loaves yeah. and fish appear out of nowhere but he does include us in he does ha ask us to participate when when the red sea parted he had moses strike the rock mm. when lazarus was raised he had the disciples roll the stone away and unwrap the garments all things he could have done but he has us do what we don't need him for so that the only what's left is the thing that only he can do which is the miracle and so we're in that moment and i'm going okay when i make my loaves and fish and i present them to god and he deems them worthy of acceptance. The transaction is over. The mm. multiplication part is up to him. And so I'm still participating, but I have got to let that peace go. And so in that moment, all my narcissism, which I had struggled with for years, my desire to be accepted by Hollywood, to win Academy Awards, to be at the top five at the box office, all of that stuff completely went away. And for the first time in my life, I was actually in a place where I was willing to never make another movie or show or anything. I was like, wow. I just want to be where you want me, God. I'm willing to not do that. And I think that's what where God was like, now you're ready for the chosen. And it's why I was open-minded to a ridiculous idea, which was... I was making a short, another short film for my church. It was about the birth of Christ from the perspective of the shepherds. It was called The Shepherd. I was just doing it for my church's Christmas Eve service. When I was making that, I had the idea for The Chosen. I thought, oh, that'd be really cool to have a multi-season show where there's always been movies and miniseries about Jesus, but never a multi-season show where you can really dig into the characters and dig into the backstory and the cultural context, the historical context, all the things that make us love uh, movies and I'm sorry, make yep. us love TV, TV shows because yep. you can get that character development that you don't have time for in other projects. So uh, when this, when the idea came to take this short film and put it out on social media and give people the opportunity to invest in a show 
for season one. I thought it was a ridiculous idea. I thought it would never work. I'm like, crowdfunding doesn't work. And, and the all-time crowdfunding record was $5.7 million from projects that had wow. big, fan ba- big fan bases. And my, my project had no fan base and I was coming off of a failure. And uh, But I'm like, you know what? Loaves and fish. Not my job to feed the 5,000. I'm just giving my loaves and fish. And then when we ended up raising $10 million, shattering wow. the all-time crowdfunding record based on this little short film I did on my friend's farm in Illinois, 20 minutes from my house. It was like, all right, God's got God's got something much bigger in mind than I could uh, have, have imagined in it. And so that's, that's, I think, more than anything, what's responsible for me being here right now talking to you is that wow. day of, of failure and being willing to surrender and go, okay, God, I get it. I'm not going to try to feed 5,000. I'm going to just try to provide loaves and fish that are good and healthy so that when they are multiplied, uh, they can, they can impact those people that you, that you are, are responsible for. That's absolutely incredible. So this whole thing came off the fa- a failed movie or a failed show you were working on. And then now you have the chosen, which has been obviously massive, su- massive success, broken tons of records with viewing, with theaters, with raising money was the, the crowdfunding. Maybe people don't know is basically where the viewers raised the money ahead of time. Is that something where did that go viral? I mean, how did you go from nothing to all these people? Was it getting shared on Facebook, YouTube? How did the process of that word getting out like where just the numbers took off for the crowdfunding? Yeah, that 20 minute short film I did went out on Facebook and YouTube. And at the end of it, I came on and just said, hey, I got this idea for a show. We're, we're, We're working on the scripts now. And here's what we need to do a full season. And, you know, if you're interested, it's an investment opportunity. It's not a donation. We're not, a, we weren't a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, it's, 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 it was actual investment, not donation. And so uh, that, that short film was seen mil- I mean, by all accounts, well over 10 million, 15 million times. And people wow. were sharing it and just, and, and the people who invested anywhere from a hundred dollars to one person invested $300,000. But there were all these people in between. And when I've met some of these investors, they all said, I can't explain it. I don't normally do this kind of thing. But when I watched it, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like like pounding my heart to to get involved in some way. And so um, that's how we that's how we got launched. And then it was in season when 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 uh, the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and it was back in 2020. And season one had been out for over a year and hadn't really taken off. I mean, people who saw it were really loving yeah. it, but they couldn't figure out how to watch it. And and I'm sure you had the same. You had a friend yep. who was telling you to watch it, but you're like, yeah, eh, I don't want to get a new app, and it's probably not going to be very good. And who yes. knows if it's gonna if it's gonna be faithful to the Bible and all these reasons not to watch it. And then the pandemic hit, and we decided to put it on YouTube for free, all eight episodes, eight live streams, eight nights in a row. And I just got on and I said, look, we're making it free for a couple weeks. And, you know, we can't do it forever because obviously we'll never be able to generate income for future seats. But if you want to, if you want to pay for it, you can, if you don't, or if you can't afford it, don't, I don't want you to, but here's how you do it. If you want to, and that night our income quadrupled and the next night our income quintupled. And the third night I was like, all right, the chosen is going to be free forever. You know, (laughs) so, so that's why the show is still free. And, uh, which is such a crazy model. I I just wanted to throw this in there. There's, I can't think of any show and someone today, one of the questions, which we won't even go into, because it's obviously the show's free, but they're like, why does the chosen not free anymore? But it is free everywhere. You could literally people come in the stream. I I don't know how many thousands of comments, where could I watch this for free? And I literally have in the comments, the show is for free. Just, you know, you just have to Google the chosen, but you guys have it on like every platform for free. Is that something where that night you decided we're just going to keep it free and see what happens? 
Yeah. So just to be very clear, if, if, if you're watching it on Peacock or Amazon, that's not free. Obviously you're, yep. you're, you're subscribing or you're paying a fee or whatever it is. The place where it's free, there's two places where it's free. One is the Angel app, yep. the Angel Studios app, and the other is the Chosen app. And the Chosen app is new because we Angel's no longer our formal distribution partner, but they still have the show on their platform. So gotcha. we have a, it's, we have an app called the Chosen, and uh, you, it's very easy. It's totally free. We don't even require an email address. Uh, it's just like you can download it on your Apple TV, Roku, Fire Stick, your mobile device, whatever. That's where you can watch the show free, and it will always be free there. Now- now and in the future, there may be like, for example, Netflix just picked yeah. up season one. And so you can watch on Netflix. Now, season two is only on a couple platforms. Season three is only on uh, the Chosen or Angel platform. And then we let people like you do your reaction videos because uh, I, I always feel like when you watch it and you encourage people to watch it, even though it's being given away, it, it does, I think, in the long term, it brings more eyeballs to the show. Yes. And if they never pay for it, that's fine. Like, yeah, we just tell people, look. If if you don't donate in some way to the because we've partnered with this new foundation called the Come and See Foundation, I'm like you can choose to never pay for it. If everyone decides to do that, the show just won't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. So so, so you need to be aware of that. But look, I, I trust God with all this stuff now. I'm again loaves and fish. I'm making the show, and and we're telling people the opportunity to 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 uh, contribute if they want to. But if not, that's not up to me. That's so good. And even the option too, which I've been recently really encouraging people to pay it forward where you could give to pay for an episode to get it to somebody else. And then the merch and all that goes into it. People are like, well, why push the merch and the cups and the shirts and the sweatshirts? Well, because it's supporting the show. Like everybody wants to watch it free. And then you start asking people, hey, partner with us. And then people complain. But I think it's super crucial that people do give and people are a part that are able to so that you guys can keep the show going. I also wanted well, to touch on. Yeah, go for it. Let me say just real quick. So, yeah, because you bring up the. the the merch and that's a very important point so you're i think some people's concern is correct that if we were just hawking merch all the time uh, it starts to feel a little crass like if you're just like hey come on buy this new shirt buy this new thing we we have a couple of of requirements for anything that we create uh, for people to to purchase like shirts mugs anything is they all have to have some sort of purpose beyond just promoting the show. We don't have, like, for example, even the shirt that I'm wearing, which isn't available just yet, but it's like, even the stuff, it has, it, ha it starts a conversation. We have people who wear our stuff all over the country, all over the world. And they say, people come up to me all the time and say, what does is, what is come and see mean? Or what are the numbers five and two? Or what is that against the current fish? Go like they ask questions about it, or it makes some sort of statement like get used to different or binge Jesus, something that has some sort of impact. Our books, our DVDs, we have Bible studies, we have devotional books, people's lives are being transformed through these things. It all has to have some sort of purpose. We don't just want to just crassly promote the show just because. But again, like you said, these are the ways that any other TV show or movie survives yeah. as people buy tickets or they subscribe to a platform. So we've decided to be free, but I think sometimes people go, well, it's a Jesus show. Uh, they shouldn't ask for anything. It should all be free. And I'm like, well, how do you think we pay our bills? How do you think yeah. we, and to be clear, we are, I want to be clear about this too. The chosen is a for-profit business. Like, like yeah. we have a, there's a nonprofit company, uh, the come and see foundation where you can donate and they expand our mission. But our company, we, we have investors, like people invested into this show at the beginning. And we just hope that people go, hey, I'm glad that this show exists, regardless of how the money is made or how what, whether we're giving or not. I'm glad this, this exists. It's blessing me in some way.
That's so good. I wanted to also touch on a lot of comments. I read through a lot of my comments on the chosens that I've posted at some, and some of them have, you know, several hundred thousand views with thousands of comments. And I keep hearing the same comment over and over. And that is the show brought me back to Christ. The show brought me back to the faith. And so I know we obviously know there's about 3000 people watching right now. And there'll be a lot that watch later. There's a lot of critics on the show. We already know that we'll address that and talk about that. I want to talk about all the good stuff and then we'll go into the, the critics and we'll talk about all the hard questions. But this is one thing that I love about the show is when I get done watching the chosen, it makes me want to read the Bible. It makes yes. me want to pray. It's not just entertaining and it is entertaining, of course, but it's not just like media. It actually draws me going, wow, I want to go get closer to Christ. If one episode I watched and I was like, when I got done watching the episode, I turned my stream off and I was like, wow, I really like Jesus. Like he's so cool. And again, it was because I, I, I was starting to think differently about the way Jesus was with the disciples, the things that he told them and the show helped portray that what Jesus was like. And, and you guys have done a great job on that. And so for me, I love hearing the testimonies of this isn't like this is an evangelism tool. People are getting saved, obviously. People are getting coming back to the faith. Family members are sharing it. I mean, I've read thousands. What is your take on and some of the testimonies? Like, is your mind blown that this show has reached so many people? And how what kind of testimonies do you guys hear coming back of people getting saved and even celebrities? I know there's been celebrities that have posted they watch the chosen. I'm like, what? They would never go to church, but they're watching the chosen. So maybe share some of those testimonies or some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's been the biggest, most mind-blowing thing is, I, is look, when, when I'm sitting at the computer and the blank page is, is up there and I'm writing an episode, I'm not thinking about the audience just yet. I have to think about what God wants. I have to think about what the story demands. I want. It's really hard to make a good show. So so trying to think too much about whether the audience is going to dislike it or, or like it or criticize it, I just can't worry about that. God mm. took all that desire away from me to people please or to avoid criticism. That said, it's almost every day that someone approaches me in a restaurant or at the airport or somewhere in public. And what's really cool is they don't treat, it's not like a celebrity thing. It's not like, mm. oh my gosh, you're the guy with the chosen. They come up and I, I'm not exaggerating, Isaiah, 40% of them will just start crying. Wow. And they'll say, I am reading the Bible more than ever because of this come show. Come on. I am back in church. I had church hurt. I am back in church because I want to know Jesus more. This show is bringing me closer to Jesus. This show is taking away my, my obsession with my, whatever it is, my vice yeah. or my, even sometimes it's my religion. I have a yep. religion that I'm part of, but this is actually making me focus on Jesus. Now, if they were saying to me, now I don't have to read the Bible because I've got the chosen. Wow. That would be a major, that would be yeah. a major, major problem. But they're saying I'm reading the Bible more than ever because of it. My my like I feel like Jesus is coming alive to me more than ever. And I always yes. say, look, Jesus isn't coming alive. He's always been alive. You're coming alive more, yeah. being recognizing Jesus. And I think it's not that our Jesus is different from the biblical Jesus. It's that you're seeing things that they don't necessarily cover in scripture. Some of the yep. cultural context, the Jewish context, the historical context, things that were true, but that we don't necessarily see spelled out in scripture because the point of scripture was to essentially give Jesus his greatest hits so that they could prove that he was the Messiah. But all these, these things that we're talking about where you see the backstories of some of the characters, that's what people are saying to me is, I feel like I'm Mary Magdalene. I'm Simon Peter. I'm the woman with the issue of blood. I had an issue for 10 years and I felt like I was outcast or I'm Matthew. I'm on the autism spectrum and, or my kid is, and they're now watching this and saying, oh my goodness, Jesus can call me too. Wow. Those are the kinds of things that never get old. And it's happening 
literally uh, millions of times around the world. And, and, uh, and that, that to me is what makes us feel like we're on the right path is that people aren't saying, I don't need to read my Bible anymore. They're saying, I now want to be more engaged with Jesus, more engaged with my church, more engaged in prayer than I've ever been. That's so good. And I think that's something the critics miss. I'm like, are you guys seeing the people reached? And 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 the crazy part is, and the show actually illuminates this, and I'm I'm teaching right now through the book of John verse by verse, and I'm seeing this in the book of John is the Pharisees, God would do all this amazing stuff, and the Pharisees would point out the one thing, like the guy with the mat. They said, Why are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? And in my mind, I'm like, 38 years this guy hasn't walked. He's been at the same pool waiting for some angel to come, God heals him, and the Pharisees only worry about why is he carrying a mat? And I, I see that even with the critics of The Chosen. I watch the videos. I'm sure you watch some of them, probably not many of them, because it gets weary watching, you know, critic after, or like the, the same type of videos. It's, it's always the same type of criticism. But I look at that and I go, man, if you're going to criticize something, at least talk about as well the, the contrast, which is people are getting saved and delivered and healed and coming, families are being restored. And I, I read a, um, a comment on, on my page about the chosen, my family's back together, brought me and my wife back together, brought my kids back together. We're all watching it together. And people are saying, my kids don't want to go to church, but they love the chosen. They don't want to read the Bible, but they love the chosen. So for me, rather than being like, oh, well, this isn't, I'm going like, man, this is drawing people to Christ. It's drawing people to want to read their Bible. And, and also it's like when a good preacher preaches a story, you're like, oh, I want to read that story to see for myself. So even for example, this uh, recent episode of the one with the issue of blood, which my, was my all time favorite scene. I was like, wow, that made me want to go back and look at the story and read the story and study it again. And that's, that's whole story. I, again, I, I relate to it. I see myself. I'm the woman with the issue of blood for years, you know, I was an atheist and I'm the, I'm the woman at the well. And so these scenes are very, very moving. I want to ask you as well, the process of writing the episodes, would you say, and I think on season one, you guys had a disclaimer. Um, I look at the chosen and go, okay, I'm not expecting it to be 100% line by line. It's not an expository sermon. I'm not looking for word for word. Jesus didn't say that, right? Jesus goes, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, that wasn't in the Bible. I think some people, they're watching it with the wrong lens and they're thinking it's going to be this like Bible translation and they're mad because they're going, well, that's not exactly biblical. And I would say, and again, I've watched every episode for those in the chat. They're like, well, you haven't watched this. I've watched all the episodes. I haven't found anything that goes against the Bible. I would say there's stuff that's extra biblical. What is your take when it comes to like, writing episodes, creative authority, um, like your creative license to say, this is what I'm going to add, what I'm not going to add. Where's the line at, I guess, like to where you say, oh, I probably shouldn't put that in because that goes against maybe the nature or the character of right. Jesus or the apostles. Um, what are your thoughts on that for people that might say, well, it's not 100% biblically accurate every scene? Yeah, I'm pulling up actually the thing that we say at the beginning of uh, season one, one, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think season one, episode one. Yeah, so it says, The Chosen is based on the true stories of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Some locations and timelines have been combined or condensed. Backstories and some characters or dialogue have been added. However, all biblical and historical context and any artistic imagination are designed to support the truth and intention of the scriptures. Of the scriptures. Viewers are encouraged to read the Gospels. Um, now, good. we put that up at the very beginning, and... Now, that's not just like a, a, a hall pass so that we can just do whatever we want. Um, our operating principle is, and the question we always ask ourselves, is this plausible? Now, the mm. word plausible refers to historical accuracy. Uh, it refers to biblical accuracy. And then it also refers to some of the artistic imagination, making sure that 
does this fit within the character and intentions of Jesus in the Gospels? Now, there are things, of course, I mean, I, the majority of the show isn't directly from Scripture. I mean, every yeah. time they have, a, they have a meal and talk about their day, that's not from Scripture. So the majority of the show doesn't come directly from Scripture. It's inspired by it, but it doesn't come directly, directly from it. Now, what we're asking ourselves is, is when we put words into the character of Jesus in our show, we know, and we believe 99.99% of the viewers know, that's not actually Jesus. It's an actor portraying a character in a show. It's not the real Jesus. It's not violating the second commandment of having a graven image that you're worshiping. No one is mm. worshiping Jesus from the chosen. Um, but we are saying, it, this isn't from scripture, but does it fit within the character and intentions of Jesus in the gospels? We know he's a perfect, he's the sinless son of God. Uh, we show that in the show. He is God. We show that in the show. He it's asserts good. it. He says, I am the, I am that I am. He asserts himself as God many times. He does miracles. He has command of the supernatural. All of those things you see in our show. He doesn't sin. We see that in our show. He loves the least of these. You see that in our show. Now, there are things in our show that well-meaning, honest intellectually honest people may disagree with. It's like, for example, one of our biggest issues people ever had was when we saw Jesus preparing for a sermon and he was yes. working through some of the words. And some people were like, oh my gosh, Jesus would never do that. He's perfect. And I'm going, okay, maybe he didn't. It's possible. But we also know, according to Philippians, that he did not count equality with God as something yes. to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And, and we know that he became a human with all of that. Now, is preparing a sermon a sin? Of course not. So was Jesus yeah. sinning? We don't portray him as sinning. Now, some people might say, well, because he had access to the Father and because he's also God, he had perfect knowledge of everything. He never needed to prepare or work out anything. And that's possibly true. I'm not claiming that my interpretation that Jesus would have wanted to maybe sometimes work through the wording of his sermon because he's going to speak to 5,000 people and he wants them all to make sure they get it. But I don't also don't believe that we can solve the debate that's gone on for 2,000 years, the, the hypostatic union, God, all God, all man. Yeah. I don't think we can solve that debate in a YouTube comment. So yep. sometimes my point in saying all this is there are some things that we can disagree on. I'm certain, Isaiah, you've seen come some things in my show where you've gone, ah, I would have done it that way. Yeah. Ah, I don't think it would have, but I don't think you'll see anything that is a contradiction or violation of the nature of God, the nature of the perfect sinless son of God, who is our only salvation. We portray that very clearly. In fact, episode three of this season, which you saw and watched live where he's talking to the Jewish leaders. And he says, if you don't understand that you need me, like you need to realize your religion doesn't save you. Your history yep. doesn't save you. Your tradition save you. I'm the only guy. I'm the one. We make that very, very clear. That's so good. And I would say too, you're not writing canon. So people are like, you can't add or take away. Revelation says, but again, we're not, we're not, you guys made it clear. This is not scripture guys. This is not canon. This is a show that is depicting what the life of Jesus could have been like. So for me, when I watch it, that's my mindset. And I go, okay, like anything, any of my friends that are preachers or I've, I've never met one preacher or minister that I agree hundred percent with everything on. I just eat the meat and spit out the bones. I'm like, Hey, it is what it is. But I like what you said there because a lot of people are, there's misconceptions and I've had people say, well, they don't claim G uh, Jesus doesn't claim to be God in the show. And he does. I think in season one, he says, I, he says, I am. Um, and so season, yeah, season two, he says, I am that I am. Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah. there's the claim to be God and that he's divine. And, and you just mentioned that you do, you do 
affirm that Jesus is fully God, fully man, the hypostatic union, and these, these other things. But I think there's a lot of misconceptions for people that don't watch the show. I right. think a lot of these people, like, they just don't watch the show. And so they have all this criticism. It's like, hey, watch the show. If you're convicted about it, and I've told people this, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I'm like, hey, if you're convicted to not watch it, just don't watch it then. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but hey, there's hundreds of millions of people watching it. If you're like, hey, God told me not to watch it, then just don't watch it. But don't go on comment sections or make videos about why other people shouldn't when you're convicted not to. Um, well, that's one I, thing I think is. Yeah. And I think, I think to be fair, and there's a lot of critics who aren't fair. A lot of critics who come on, they make a, I've seen myself quoted as saying things I didn't say. They put my, like even in their headlines, they're supposed to be truth guys. They're supposed to be doing yep. videos like we fight for the truth. And then the title of their video is Dallas Jenkins says <laughs> quote. And I'm like, how can you put quotes around something I didn't actually say? You're yeah. summarizing what you interpret I, I meant, but that's not a quote. You can't do that. So anyway, a lot of them are intellectually dishonest. That said, let's assume yep. that there are plenty. And I've seen some that are absolutely intellectually honest. They're being fair. They're concerned. And I think some of their concerns are legitimate. Their concern is someone might be substituting the real Jesus with are Jesus, or they might mm. be, I think some people are like, I'm concerned that uh, you might believe that stuff that's in the show that isn't in scripture actually is in scripture. And I think that's a fair concern. I would just say, look, we tell you before the first frame of the show, read the gospels, we've added things. Okay. We also say repeatedly over and over, we all say, we always say this, we are not the Bible. Your Bible has Good. not changed since the chosen came out. We're not adding to scripture because we're not scripture. Scripture is scripture. It's the same. It's it's perfect. It doesn't need us. It doesn't need this show. But the show has been like a sermon can be, like your YouTube channel can yep. be, like a book can be, a supplement that can help you understand better. But my wife, uh, like about a year and a half ago, was up on stage and uh, we, we were presenting seasons or uh, episode six of season two. And, and uh, she was saying, this is the heart of the show. I want you to understand these two words. Bible preach. And it comes from a story that we had heard once. I, I won't tell the whole story, but these guys were smuggling Bibles to this to this uh, church in Iran, and they met at this secret location. And, and then they offered to, they said, do you want us to come with you as you take these Bibles back to your village? Do you want us to preach? And he said, no, Bible preach. Mm. And we, we believe that. The show, my wife said this, she goes, I love the show. I love this man, but it's just a show. Bible preach. We know that. I think that some of the critics are actually assigning to our show something that we don't assign to ourselves That's and that good. the viewers don't assign to us. Our viewers, now I'm sure there are a few exceptions, but the overwhelming majority of our viewers keep telling people, look, this is not the Bible. I'm not watching this for my scripture. I'm watching this because I'm seeing Jesus and the disciples removed from stained glass windows and given a humanity that I haven't always seen or understood and now I can identify with them and see Jesus through their eyes. And if the show ever contradicts the character of Jesus to where we see something that is obviously violating anything that the scriptures were clear about, then you should stop watching the show and any criticism is absolutely warranted. That's so good. I think you're really fair on that. Let me, I want to ask you a, maybe a question no one's asked you before. Have you ever written a scene? Because obviously you're, you're creating the show, you're writing everything. Have you ever written a scene and then maybe even went to where you guys are producing it and then been like, 
ah, I just don't feel right about that. Or you've written parts where you're like, ah, that's a little questionable. Or is it kind of like, hey, this is what it is. I mean, do you ever go back and go, I don't know. Or maybe you inquire with someone who's a scholar or a theologian or someone who's very, very educated in scripture. And they're like, ah, Dallas, I wouldn't put that in. Do you have a council of people that you're showing your content to? And then also I want to do, and some of these questions I hate even asking you, but I want to make it clear for the people listening. Are you the one that is creating the content or is there other people of other religion whether that's mormons or catholics or jehovah's witness that are have creative authority that are adding stuff to the show i want to be very clear on that because i think there's a lot of people that assume it's you creating and then like people that are catholic people that are mormon people whatever religion fill in the blank that are also creating and you guys are kind of all putting it together maybe give us some thoughts on that because i heard one person earlier say well there's multiple this is a multi-religion show it's not even about the god of christianity and it's like again just jumping to these assumptions so maybe get some clarity on that would be awesome yeah so very very good appreciate that comment so uh, on our YouTube channel, by the way, if you just did a search for um, you have questions about the chosen or the chosen questions, or the chosen statement of faith, we put a video out. It's gotten almost half a million views of me just saying in about nine minutes or so, just like answering kind of the most commonly asked questions and making it clear where I stand. I'm an evangelical Christian. Uh, I believe the Bible is God's word. Yada, yada. I, I give some of that. But uh, as to the process, you asked a very important question. So first, of, first and foremost, yes, I am the final say on everything. I am the creator of the show. I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm just saying this is my That's show. Important. I'm the boss. Not a single word, a single frame of film comes is released to you without my either having originated it or approved of it. So I am the final authority on the show. Now, I'm not a final authority on scripture. I'm not a final authority on your faith. I'm the final authority on this show. That's good. Now, I do have a council. Um, we have a uh, there's three people. There's a Catholic priest, a Messianic Jewish rabbi, and a and a uh, evangelical scholar, who I run all our scripts past. Now, I'm an evangelical. I'm not a Catholic. Why do I have a Catholic priest on our on our council of of three people? Uh, because I want to know if there are any landmines that I would step on that are unnecessary. So, for example, if I'm, you know, if I'm writing a, a scene, and you know, uh, let's say. Jesus trips on a rock and does some sort of hand motion. And and, and I, I want to know like, okay, that actually viol that's actually really offensive in our faith or really mm. offensive in our culture. I just want to know those things. Now this uh, each, each of our three uh, people on our, on our committee, they don't have veto power. They're just there as accountability and to give me feedback and whatnot. Now, each of them have said multiple times something that they disagreed with or wouldn't have done. And there has been some times where I've just said, thank you. I appreciate that, but we're going to do this anyway. So for example, because I'm an evangelical, my take on Mother Mary is going to be a little bit different than most yeah. people in the Catholic Church, or at least some of them. Um, but I would say to your question, uh, there has been several things that they have pointed out or red flagged that I've gone, okay, you know what? That's a good point. I'm not going to do that. It's going to, it, it's it's either going to violate the character and intentions of Jesus and the Gospels, or it's not accurate historically or biblically. And some things we know aren't fully accurate, like maybe you know, we have Jesus going to Samaria, going north instead of south, or we have it happen early in his ministry instead of later in his ministry. There's some of those things that we do that they point out that we all go, you know what, this isn't a theological issue. Uh, but I would say as recently as last night, so normally by the time we are editing, there's no more changes. I mean, I've, I've prayed, I've consulted, I've done the research, we're comfortable with what we're portraying. But just yesterday, and I think this might be the first time this happened. Just yesterday, we were finalizing episode eight. This is the final episode of the season. It's coming out in theaters in a week. We're finishing it up as we speak. 
Well, we're finalizing it. And there is a line from Jesus uh, in a scene where he's, uh, the, the disciples are with him and there's people criticizing him and he's surrounded by about 50 people who are all kind of arguing and debating. And, and he made a comment that I just, it just kept glitching me in my heart. I'm like, it feels like he's being mean towards mm. the disciples. He's kind of, kind of makes this casual comment about uh, like, the, I, I'll just tell you real quick. One of the characters says, well, this is why we asked Andrew and Philip to come back and clarify their message. And Jesus says, well, how'd that work out for you? And because what happened was it ended up inflaming tensions even more and things got worse. And I just thought, you know what? I, I don't think Jesus would have been like, I think it's kind of funny, sarcastic. I don't mind making Jesus sarcastic. I've done it before, but this feels a little bit dismissive and mean towards the disciples. So we spent, it, it cost money to do this at the last minute. We cut that line out because it just felt, uh, it didn't feel right. And so, uh, but for the most part, by the time we're on set filming, I have worked all those things out. I have consulted with my, uh, with my counsel. I have consulted with, I have a pastor friend who's a real close friend of mine who's a strong evangelical pastor who also just gives, I run things past him and, and a lot of prayer goes into it as well. But uh, we take it very, very seriously so that by the time the show comes out, when someone says, I wish you'd change that, or you should delete that scene. It's controversial. I'm like, do you not think we've like, yeah. what, what makes you think we haven't thought about this and prayed about it and talked about it? we take this so seriously. We're not just going to release some scene that just because some people criticized it, we're like, Oh, I guess we were wrong. Let's yeah. change it. We're, we're not that unstable and shaky on our ground. So that a couple of YouTube comments are going to cause us to, to go, Oh, I didn't want to, I didn't want anyone to criticize me. I guess I need to change this. It's just not That's how so we good. That's so good. I love that. And, and that leads me kind of into one, which you've said this a million times. I'm going to ask it again. The show's not Mormon. I will, we'll hear you talk about that, but the scene where that became very controversial, I made a video about it. I basically reacted to you clarifying because I was getting so many people saying stuff and I was like, let me look. And where Jesus says, I am the law of Moses, which for me, I thought I watched it and was like, I didn't feel anything. I love that scene. I was like, get him, Jesus, because biblically, Jesus came and fulfilled the law. I, I don't, again, I don't see anything wrong with it biblically. That kind of, did you expect that was going to kind of like take off and be headlines and people writing about it and from just, well, it happened from the trailer. And then of course now the actual episode's out. But what were your thoughts on that? Um, it wasn't, guys, just spoiler alert. It's not in the Book of Mormon. I went and looked up the exact place and Jesus does not say I'm the law of Moses in the Book of Mormon if you guys are just a spoiler there. But what were kind of your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, nine times out of 10, when there's some sort of controversy, I, I had a feeling it was coming in some way because I knew we were dancing in waters that were maybe a little bit uh, controversial. It's usually a minority anyway. The vast majority of people love the show, yeah. love, the, love the interpretation that we have. That one was slightly surprising to me because the line is, so, so and by now, if you've seen the full scene, here's what's ironic about some of the criticism. If you watch the full scene, it is the most, by far, emphatic, declarative scene in the show that Jesus is the savior, yes. the only way to salvation. He is God. He is the son of God. I mean, it is a crystal clear scene illustrating the, the authority that Jesus has. But in the scene near the end, the, uh, the priest, uh, the, 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 the rabbi says, if you do not renounce your words, we have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. And Jesus says, I am the law of Moses. Now, the vast majority of people who saw that in the trailer were like cheering. I mean, I saw reaction videos of people going like, yeah, this is awesome. Because even in the book of John, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, we believe Jesus and the father created the law, created the world. We're, we're like that, that Jesus has a hand in all of this. And also 
at the end of the day, the line was in many ways a play on words. It was just Jesus essentially asserting, I'm your authority. Yeah. You think the law of Moses is your authority. I'm your law of Moses. Whatever you think is the authority, that's me. I was a little surprised. I knew that that might cause a controversy for some people thinking, well, Jesus filled the law. The law doesn't exist anymore. You know, yada, yada. I got a little bit of that. The reason I was a little bit surprised by the Mormon thing was because I haven't read the Book of Mormon. I didn't know that that line could be considered a take from the Book of Mormon. Mm. And my response was, okay, worst case scenario, quote unquote, it is from the Book of Mormon. Well, that doesn't mean that it's inherently wrong. Not every single thing that's ever been written by people we disagree with is automatically wrong. But if the line is, it happens to be in the Book of Mormon, I'm like, oh, good, good for them. It's a good line. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's not actually from the Book of Mormon. That line came from a different context, all that to be said. I uh, The reason that this whole Mormon controversy happens is two reasons. One, we are working with lots of different people. I have partners in this project who are LDS. I have partners who are Catholic. We've rented, we've, we've, we've used the set in Utah that's owned by the LDS church for some of our filming. We have no formal association with the LDS church. They don't formally endorse the show either. They, they have, yeah. it's not in their best interest to formally align with anything either. I'm an evangelical probably. I'm actually the first evangelical that they ever allowed to use their set. Um, so that is true. A lot of our cast and crew aren't even believers, but they come mm. from all different backgrounds, some believing, some not, some from different denominations, some different faith religions. I do not have a religious litmus test for who can work on this project to get this message to the world. None of them have any say, any input on the creative direction of the show. Uh, my my LDS folks who who are been working on this project have outright said and want it to be this way. They have zero input on the scripts. And they said, we don't want any because we don't even want the controversy. We know mm. that there's controversy. But the, the fact of the matter is the stories of the gospels are the stories of the gospels. And I have no desire to contradict them or get influence from any other religion or anything like that. I am an evangelical. I believe in the gospels. And the fact of the matter is most Catholics and most LDS folks, even though we have significant theological agreements about plenty of things, the stories of the gospels are where most of our agreements come. Yeah. The stories of the gospels are where most of our agreements come. So we have some disagreements there, but look, you're not going to see any, like, like any of these, any LDS theology or Catholic theology that, that it may, may exist that we may disagree with outside of that time period where Jesus of Nazareth was, was on earth. But uh, look, I, I'm glad you clarified that. Cause I think yeah. people think, Oh, Joseph Smith's going to show up in season four. You're like, no, this is, there'll be no Joseph Smith appearances in the chosen. Um, I think you made it clear. And I, I love hearing it from you because I, I've said stuff. And of course there's a, and let's be clear. I just wanted to, for all those in the chat, there's about 4,000 people watching all of you in the chat. There is way more people that like the chosen than, than dislike the chosen. So there's a ton of creators that are watching it, that are advocating for it, that love the show. And um, the sadly, the negativity and the, I call them heresy hunters. I know it's a rude term, but the heresy hunters, they just have a loud voice because their stuff is a sharp contrast and people love drama. People love controversy. So it's like, man, you have seven or eight amazing episodes and then one scene in one episode and then it goes viral and that's what everyone talks about but i think even the negative press is sometimes good press because it without the negative press we wouldn't even be talking about this right now so i think that sometimes it's good to bring clarity and you can give where you're at in your stance i want to talk about i guess one more controversial scene and then we'll go into some of the audience questions quickly here is the scene of little james so if you guys don't know there's a scene of little james basically he's sick and jesus is like do you want to be made well and he's like yes and he doesn't end up getting healed i know that stirred up some controversy. I have um, 
I would consider him a spiritual covering leader, Dr. Michael Brown, who recently made a video about how he loves the chosen, he loves the acting, he loves all that you've done, but he was concerned about the scene because he says, you know, nowhere in the gospel, and I'm quoting him, nowhere in the gospels did Jesus ever turn anyone down from being healed. Now, my original reaction when I watched the scene, I didn't feel, not that it, you know, not that I have any creative authority, but for me, I didn't feel anything weird about it. I thought about the pool of Bethesda where Jesus, there's thousands of sick people and Jesus, and I've even preached this, stepped over thousands of sick people to get to the one man to heal him. And Jesus didn't heal all those people. He actually literally, like literally stepped over them to go heal them one man and then leaves. And there's still hundreds or a thousand, however many scholars might speculate, we're still at the pool. So when I watched the scene of little James, I'm like, hey, people were sick in the Bible that didn't get healed. I know people that are praying for the sick and seeing them healed that are still sick themselves. I know tons of people that are sick, you know, in their own body. They've watched God heal. I know pastors that are uh, sick right now and they're going, Lord, why wouldn't you heal me? I've prayed for thousands of sick people. There's some great revivalists in history that died of sickness. Meanwhile, they prayed for the sick. And I know the cessationists or the reformed brothers would say, well, that's proof that God doesn't heal, but God works in mysterious ways. I think not everyone gets healed. I mean, not everyone I pray for gets healed. And I've seen my aunt who was deaf I saw her get healed, and yet I've prayed for other people and children that, that didn't get healed. And so what were your thoughts on when you created the scene, some yeah. of the, some of maybe a response to it? I would love to just talk about that scene a little bit. Yeah, I so appreciate you bringing that up because I think these conversations are so important. Uh, so first of all, by the way, if you, if you, I've got, a, I've got time. If you want to ask more questions after this, you don't need awesome. to rush. I know you awesome. guys sometimes go a little longer. That's fine. So uh, anyway, um, the scene in question is in episode two of this season. Little James, who's portrayed by an actor named Jordan, who in real life has mild cerebral palsy and okay. scoliosis. So he walks with a very severe limp. His back is hunched over. He's like he's had seven major surgeries in his life. I mean, he's he's a uh, he's got a, a, a handicap, a, a very visible, obvious handicap. And when he walked in to audition, I had seen him audition on video and I just seen him up here and he was really good. So he comes into audition in person and I'm like, oh. Interesting. Okay. So he's handicapped in, in, in real life. And I just thought to myself, I really love him for this role of little James. And I just remember thinking, well, you know what, I guess we're going to have to face this question of at some point why Jesus has an apostle who is handicapped and isn't healed when he, when Jesus is doing all these healings. Now, let me make a couple things very clear, because this is really important. Number one, does Jesus still heal? Of course I am. I'm an old school Baptist. I, you know, I've, I've, study John MacArthur, all that kind of stuff. I'm, but I, I I am not of the belief that the signs and wonders ceased in yeah. the apostolic age. I have seen miracles. I've experienced miracles, all of that stuff. I'm not, I'm probably not at the level that you're at. Isaiah. I don't go to your kind of church, but like we we're, we're, we're brothers in Christ yeah. and, uh, and all that. So I believe that Jesus still heals. Uh, do I believe, uh, Jesus currently always heals? I do not. Do I believe that all you have to do is have faith. And, and if you're not healed, it must mean you didn't have enough faith. Mm. I do not share that belief. I have seen men and women with huge faith, yeah. including the man that we had on our live stream, Nick V, Nick Vujicic, who has no arms and legs, who is, I, he, he says he's done miracles before. He has seen miracles take place. He believes God can heal him. God mm. hasn't. And, and, and the miracles that God has done through Nick from not being healed have been just as great, if not greater than the miracle of growing his arms and legs. So mm. all that to say, here's the important question. Is Michael Brown correct? I haven't actually watched his video, but I saw the headline and I've heard a few people talk about it. And I love, I love, I mean, you know, he's, he's great. But is it true that Jesus never turned down a healing? Well, in scripture, we do not have an example of someone asking to be healed in faith 
and Jesus denying them. The Pool of Bethesda, it's a great story. It's a great example you're giving, but we don't know that people yeah. were asking to be healed of, you know, they that they asked in faith to Jesus to be healed. So is my scene historic, historically accurate? I would say probably not. And here's why. We don't know for sure that Jesus never turned down someone who asked for healing, yeah. but we don't see an example of it in scripture. So it's possible that it's historically inaccurate, my scene. I don't think I had a choice because the actor, Jordan, who plays him, isn't going to be healed in this lifetime likely. It's possible he might, but he hasn't been. And I cast him. So maybe according to the people who don't like the scene, I shouldn't have cast him because I, or maybe they believe, well, you just need to heal him. You just need to, he just needs to have enough faith and needs to pray and he'll be healed. And then you can put it on screen. I just don't share that belief. All that to say, I do believe the scene is theologically accurate, which is that uh, it's clear. Not everyone gets healed. Now there are some people who disagree with me, but I believe that not everyone, including those who have immense faith, get healed and that God can do amazing things through that. And that God does amazing things through their suffering. I've seen people who have had huge impact because of suffering, yeah. or because of of, uh, of 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 the faith that they had in the midst of their suffering. And Jesus says it in that scene. He's like, the things you're going to do, watch what you can be done in your ministry. When you have joy in spite of your malady, when you have joy in spite of the circumstances that are bringing you down. And I trust you with this to have the kind of impact for me that you can have, even though you are handicapped. So we can so, have debates about it. I think it's all great. I think there's a case that can be made that the scene isn't historically accurate, but I do I, I do stand behind strongly the theological accuracy of it. That's good. I even thought about one, I was watching Dr. Michael Brown's video on it. And again, this is not to say I'm this or that. I thought about when Paul asked the Lord to take the thorn. He said, I asked three times that the Lord would take this thorn. And God's response was no, all three times. And Paul's like, and God says, no, because in your weakness, my, I'm made strong. My strength is greater in your weakness. And some speculate, no one knows what the thorn is. Some say it was a sickness. Some say it was the religious people. Some people say it's a demon in the flesh. You know, everyone has their own theology. I don't know what it was because the Bible doesn't say what it was. But I do know that he asked God to take it, whatever it was. And God was like, no, you, the, the weaker you are, the stronger I am. So again, yeah. I, I don't and have I can, a... Yeah, no, sorry, I didn't mean to... No, go for it, go for it. But, but I will say this. Um... I have heard personally from, or the show has heard personally from, or have seen online posts, thousands, I'm talking tens of thousands of people who have outright said and sent in videos who have been handicapped for most of their lives or who were born without a limb or who are in a wheelchair or paralyzed or whatever, who said that scene for 20 years, I have been, uh, in church hurt or have been wow. I've wondered i've i have doubted i've questioned that scene helped me understand the uh, the the divinity of god the 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 um, blanking on the word uh, the providence of god yep. the authority of god more than almost anything i've ever heard and it brought them closer to christ brought them closer to the bible made them more okay with their malady with their handicap than ever before now if you happen to believe that well, that's heresy, and that the that that you should actually be healed. You just need to have faith. Well, that's fine. Well, I guess we we just don't agree. But I'm just telling you, uh, that scene unlocked for many many people a a connection to God's word and a connection to Jesus to be okay with their malady. Now they're still going to pray for healing because they still believe it's possible. Yeah. But it's they're like I can be okay in my current state. And I do think God wants that from us to have joy in the midst of trials regardless of whether the healing comes or not. I think that's what he wants from us.
That's really good. And, and I've always kind of been the one to say, hey, let's not divide over secondary issues. It's not salvific whether you believe God heals everyone or doesn't or he wants to or doesn't. These are not issues that we say, oh, you're a heretic going to hell because you believe that. So I think these are things that we should not be dividing over and being divisive over. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, you made a comment before the stream that you've jumped in or out of my live streams occasionally and you'll see me saying, hey, I want to see Jesus more, right? I've said that before. I'm like, man, it was an amazing episode. Some of them, they're building characters, so they might fill. I think it was like, I forget what episode was. Episode uh, four was like part one. That was a two-part episode in the season. And I, it, that first part was, felt a bit slow, being honest. And then I knew part two was going to be just boom because it was building the scenes. The idea in season three, it feels like, and I could be off on this or wrong on this, and maybe you tell me if I'm wrong or not. It seems like Jesus is very in, or, very in and out on this season. Of course, season one, there wasn't a lot of Jesus because it was just building the story. And then season three, there's been a lot of incredible scenes with Jesus and a lot of powerful scenes, but you see him in and out. What was your thought as a creator? You're writing the episodes, obviously. You're thinking between, it's obviously strategic that you had him in and out. What were your thoughts on him being in and out? And is that fair criticism? Are you like, nah, you're wrong. He was in every scene. Um, like, do you, have you heard that before or, or uh, what were your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, there's, there's some people who occasionally just go, my favorite stuff is when Jesus is there and he's doing healings and they're just not as into uh, the, the character building and the, yeah. the, 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 some of the other stuff. And sometimes they'll use words like slow, like it felt a little slow. And you use, I, I, I remember I checked in like uh, maybe it was last week and you're like, oh, the first part of this episode was a little slow for me, but then it got really crazy and it was great. And I'm, and oh, I'm like, man, well, I feel so bad. <laughs> no, 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 it's no, 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 don't ever stop. I want you to, that's why I've never tried to like partner a formally, because yeah. I don't want you to ever be influenced by, you know, feeling like you need to be like, you know, say good things. Like I want you to be honest with your audience. So that's totally fine. There are some people I'm included in that who, when I, some of my favorite shows, I love that stuff. And some people have said, oh, I love this episode where it was just building character yeah. and slower. They actually say like, I love the slower stuff. The scenes that are like 10 minutes long where it's two people talking, like they love that stuff. So I'm comfortable yep. with that. doesn't bother me whenever anyone just, like we have, you know, I'm not saying this arrogantly. I'm just saying we have we, over a hundred million people have watched the yep. show. No way they're all going to like it equally. They're all going to like every episode. They're all going to like every moment. So that's totally fine. I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with that. I'm not trying to people please. Um, so this season, yes, Jesus, uh, we have him often going to what we call his lonely places. Uh, mm. he, he talks about, uh, and, and we see this in seven, seven and eight as well, where he's going off to pray. The Bible talks about that. He went away a lot. He had no home. He was often going away to pray, going away to connect with his father. I think he needed that because he was obviously, when he was out in public, he was swarmed all the time. So we do we do do a lot of that. Uh, and I think that's accurate, biblically and historically accurate. But another reason is, is because like you just pointed out, when we're going to do, let's say, the miracle of the, of the woman with the issue of blood or the miracle of Jairus's daughter being healed and raised from the dead, we could, like most Jesus projects, just go to that miracle. Like we just follow Jesus everywhere. He, he encounters a woman with the issue of blood. He heals her. And then we move on to Jairus. And then we move on to the blind man. And then we move on to this sermon. That's what most Jesus projects do. And that's, yeah. that's true. And that's fair. And that's usually the Bible just reenacted. And that's that, that can be fun too. But what we have seen and what my operating principle was when I created the show was, I believe if you can take the time to get to know and experience these people before they encounter Jesus. It's good. And especially if you as the viewer can connect with them and connect with their struggles, with their doubts, with their questions, then ideally you can connect with the answer to their struggles and their doubts and their questions. And so we take the time 
to develop their backstory in the context. And that context, because it's before they meet Jesus, doesn't include Jesus yet. Mm. But when they get to that moment, and in that scene, when you watch that scene with the woman with the issue of blood, I would guarantee you it was more emotional to you and yes. more impactful to you because the slow stuff that maybe wasn't as exciting to you existed because you got to see her struggle. You got to see what her pain was like. You got to, and we, we don't, we take our time with that. We take our time with the weary and heavy laden part so that when the rest part comes that Jesus pr promises, it's that much more impactful. And so that's why you're seeing people all over the world say, I identify with her. I identify with him. Oh my gosh, that scene was so emotional. I was weeping. I guarantee you, if we just got to that scene through Jesus's eyes and just followed him around everywhere and never got to identify with or connect with the people who were changed, it would not have that impact. I love it. So good. Yeah. The whole thing about the one with the issue of blood. I just, I cannot watch that enough. That was so, so good. The de depiction of her washing her clothes. I'm like, you don't even think of that, that she had to wash her clothes and go to the river and the shame of carrying her clothes back. I mean, the whole thing was just absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I, all the actors, I mean, everyone has done such an incredible job on the show. I really wanted to ask this and then we'll get into some of these audience questions here. As far as casting actors, what is that process like? And then also, how do I get a role? You know, there's 4,000 people live right here. How do I get a role? I, I got long, Dallas, you don't know this, but I have long curly hair. I got big eyebrows. I mean, how am I gonna get into season four, make an appearance in the background? All jokes aside though, how does that um, casting go? Obviously, I know you're not just casting all your friends. Um, how does the casting go when it comes to looking for an actor, looking for a specific person? And then I'll just throw this in there with it so we don't have to do like multiple questions on this one question casting Jesus. I mean, how do you, how do you cast Jesus? I think in my mind, like that talk about, I mean, it seems like it'd be extremely difficult. You have all these people. I mean, how many people were trying out? How many auditions did you go through? Maybe just talk about a general. So we don't have to go through many of them. Um, sure. what are your thoughts when casting actors for a show that's so, so renowned, like the, like the Bible? I mean, this is the story of Jesus. Well, I will say you have a you do have a bit of an advantage because your skin color. We are looking for people with more olive skin. There we, we go, have a, we, man. We have we have a lot of Latin actors and, and actresses. Uh, and so uh, there's hope for me, guys. Chat, there is hope yeah. for me. All of you in the chat saying, Isaiah, you need to ask him. You've been spamming it. <laughs> Dallas here said, Hey, I'm going to come to an audition. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you do have an advantage there. That said, we 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 are a, a traditional professional project. So we have a casting director, and they work with the agencies. Uh, we're not we're not just going to churches and local neighborhoods yeah. and just looking for for people who just want to be in it and people who say, I feel like I want to do it because I love God so much. And I'm like, that's great. But just like I wouldn't hire a surgeon or a plumber to, good. to do the work just because they love Jesus like I do, uh, they, they have to have the skills. Uh, you know, when Jesus multiplied the fish and loaves, someone had to bake those loaves and, and, and make those, you know, catch those fish and it had to be good. He didn't use rotten fish and rotten loaves. So we do hire uh, professionally qualified actors who've done the work and done the preparation and the training and uh, have agents and are represented. And so we have a, a casting director that, that does all that. Um, uh, so, uh, but that said, yeah, we're, we're looking for people. We're not looking for big celebrities because we want the very best people for the role. And that typically includes an ethnic, uh, aspect of it. You know, we're not doing white Jesus and white disciples here. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they were first century, uh, uh, middle Easterners. So they need to look at least have some skin color, uh, unless they're playing, you know, like the Romans, for example. So all that to say, uh, the, the casting of Jesus actually came because of another short film I was doing for my church seven years ago. I did a wow. short film about, about the crucifixion. It was for my church's good Friday service. And it was from the perspective of the thieves on the cross. And so we follow the thieves on the cross from how they met and what what the, the the crime that they committed to get them there, their 
some of the, their relationships. You, can, you We kind of set up this cool thing where one of them was a Pharisee and the other one was a uh, kind of a, a rebel and how they were best friends, but how uh, by the time they got to the cross, the Pharisee is the one who was hating Jesus and wow. the, the, the criminal is the one who was believing in Jesus. So anyway, the, it, the short film ends on the crosses and that's the first time we meet Jesus. So Jesus actually has a relatively small role. So I'm casting for the thieves and because they have the big roles in the show, in the in the short film. And uh, j- j- so all of the actors who were auditioning for the two thieves, Jonathan Rumi was one of them. Okay. And he, and he had a really good audition, but there were two guys who were really great. And, and I'm like, you know what? All the people who are auditioning for Jesus are just awful. Like part of it's because it's a smaller role. So we're not getting some of the better actors, but I'm like, man, no one is right for this role. So I'm like, you know, that Jonathan guy, he, he gave a really nice audition. He has kind of a you've got a strength about him, but also a a sensitivity that I like. So let's have him audition. And 10 seconds into his audition for Jesus, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, wow. I'm like decision made. And I remember when we were filming, we were filming in a rock quarry in in Chicago, Illinois. This is seven years ago. Yeah, this is seven years ago. Seven years ago. For this little short film I'm doing. And I remember thinking to myself, just even in the five minutes that he's on screen and the first time we see him is on the cross. I'm like, this is the best portrayal of Jesus I've ever seen. Like, wow. it's, it's, it's masculine, but gentle. It's, 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 it's got all of the, the, the layers of it. And so we started doing more short films and vignettes over the next couple of years for my church. So then when it came time to do the show and we had this opportunity to do a, a you know, a, a season one of a show like this, he was the first person cast because um, he and I had taken some of those years to develop some of the things mm. that we do now, like, like Jesus's sense of humor. Um, some of the things that we developed uh, for the show started years before on some of their short films. Wow. Well, he does such a good job. I'm like, I could not imagine anyone doing a better job. He does a great job on on Jesus. And I'm I'm guessing, I'm not, I may be wrong, he's probably just going to be like the guy who plays Jesus in all the movies and documentaries and shows. People are going to be trying to, I'm guessing, cast him from going forward. But man, that's really, really awesome. I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you, and then we'll jump into some quick audience questions, which are some really, really good ones. What would you say is the goal of The Chosen? The goal of the show, like I said, for me, I watch it. I love it. I don't supplement it for my Bible, but it drives me closer to Jesus. It drives me closer to read the Bible. What was like the overall mission statement or the goal of creating the show? And then I'll go into some audience questions. That'll be real fun here. Um, But I'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, I think if you could distill it down to one thing, I would say I love I I would hope that people when they're done watching the show or done watching an episode, they know and love Jesus more. It's good. And And when you know and love Jesus more, what do you want to do? You want to worship. You want to yep. be discipled. You want to, you, you want to read your Bible. Uh, so ultimately, I mean, I can't control the reaction. I, I don't feel like I'm responsible for what God is doing in the hearts of each viewer. Um, you know, my job is to gather as, as the, Jesus talks about one of his, his parables. He says, fishermen, uh, you know, gather the fish into the nets and they separate the, the, the good fish from the rotten fish, the rotten fish they put back in the, in the, in the ocean. And then he says, so it will be at the end of the age where the angels will separate the evil from the righteous. Mm. And then he says to Simon, you know, I'm, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So I feel like the show is a, is a net. It's to, it's, it's to gather and I'm going to let God separate, do all the separating. But I do hope that when people are done watching the show or watching an episode, they, they know and love Jesus more. And, uh, and as a result, they want to worship and, and want to be discipled. 
That's so awesome. I love it. Okay, let me ask you some of these. We'll do just like a shotgun round here of audience questions. You guys sent these in through Instagram. Guys, we're not going to do live because with 4,000 of you typing all at once, it completely just freezes my restream apps and everybody goes crazy. And so we've, we've covered pretty much all the main questions I wanted to cover. These are some really good audience questions we'll go through. Uh, the first question is, are you planning to do any movies? Will there be a full length movie at any time in your career, do you think? Uh, I'll just say stay tuned uh, for some announcements about that. Right now, I'm trying to focus on one thing at a time, but uh, we are having some some very interesting uh, conversations about uh, how to how to how to expand this uh, this universe a little bit. So stay stay tuned. We might have some announcements in the future. Uh, but awesome. I can't, uh, can't talk too much about it. Awesome. Love it. Okay. What was your favorite episode so far? I know this is a hard one. You guys have done so many good ones. What was your favorite episode so far to make? Well, my favorite one to make. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Cause my favorite, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I'll, I'll say episode four of season one where the miracle, of the fish where, uh, you know, Simon cast the net on the other side of the boat and it's filled with fish. I just remember the making of that was so painful and yet God <laughs> sh showed up in such amazing ways and, and allowed, uh, kind of miracles to take place. Uh, that, that, that's just a really fond memory for me. Uh, some of these episodes that have been really tough to do, uh, I don't like doing them, but I like having done them and mm. I can look back and I go, man, God did such amazing things through that. And the results were so interesting. I'm telling you these up upcoming episodes, episodes seven and eight that are in theaters, uh, next week, um, the most difficult by far, not even a close second by far the most difficult filming 5,000 people on a, on a, in a huge field in the heat and the size and scope of these episodes and all the scenes that we did were just overwhelming. And, uh, and at the time I didn't enjoy it per se, but looking back on it, I'm like, man, it was all worth it. So good. And by the way, guys, in the comments right now, you can get your tickets. Take your family out. I know a lot of you constantly complain about all these bad movies, no good movies around theaters. And, and to an extent, I agree with a lot of that. But you guys, take your family to go see The Chosen next Thursday and Friday. I have links literally in the comments. We're doing a meetup. If you're a pastor out there, bring your whole church. Hey, guys, we're all going to the movies as a church. It'll be fun. You don't have church on Thursday or Friday. Don't act like you do. Bring bring your family and your church out to The Chosen. The links are in the comments. I thought I'd throw that in there while we talked about it being in in theaters there okay somebody says how many seasons of the chosen will there be in total yeah seven seasons so we're uh oh we're wow yeah yeah so we're going into production of season four soon and uh season six i mean this isn't a spoiler uh, but like season six we're covering the crucifixion season seven we're covering the resurrection and the aftermath so yeah seven seasons total awesome awesome okay someone said does ministry ever break out on set for example are people praying for each other sharing the gospel people laying hands on the sick any deliverance is happening like is there supernatural ever breakouts while you guys are filming because i imagine like some of these scenes are very very powerful i mean i feel like some of these actors would just go home and maybe cry or be like man i need to get saved maybe if they're unbelievers be like i want to get saved jesus is awesome and the the off the offer is giving me of salvation is there anything happening like that on set while you guys are filming so uh two-part answer so on set we do not operate like a church or a ministry i mean we're a professional working environment it's a like i said we're a for-profit business we don't have i mean I, over half our cast and crew aren't aren't practicing believers uh, so we, you know, in a limited amount of time, we're, 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 we're working, we're filming. Uh, so, so no, we're not having like church breakout on set yeah. or, or no or revival group. services on set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no group prayers or anything like that. We don't put our cast and crew in that position. We do that. Of course. I mean, obviously most of us at the, at the, at the top of the, of, of the production company are having our own prayer times and our own stuff. Now that said, um, we, we've had many, many scenes 
many. Uh, in fact, it usually involves when someone's quoting scripture or when there's a, uh, like when Jesus is calling someone to follow him or whatever, There's there's been multiple times where there have been uh, profound spiritual uh, impact. And I obviously don't share it publicly. Yeah. I don't, I don't talk about people's spiritual lives, but, but yes, there's been many uh, moments and we just usually do it privately in a one-on-one -on -one setting or they, someone will have some overwhelming emotional reaction that's clearly God is doing something in their hearts. And so we usually will, you know, I, I obviously I consider this my, my wife and I, I mean, this is, this is part of what we do is, is yeah. loving, loving on and, 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 and being in, in relationship with the people that we work with. And so, yeah, there's been, been, been plenty of that for sure. That's awesome. And guys, just be clear, like, especially if these actors are unbelievers, maybe some of them are questioned or hungry for God or would ask, Dallas is not going to get online and be like, oh, by the way, so, you know, Matthew got saved today. He was an unbeliever. I'm just example. He's not going to put their business out. So I think people think because things are not getting blasted or posted, things aren't happening. But of course, God is working all the time behind the scenes and stuff like that. So that's awesome to hear. Okay. Somebody said, Isaiah, can, can Isaiah get a role? We already talked about that. I'll be at one of the auditions, hopefully. Um, someone said, how far into scripture will the chosen go? Will there be like a book of Acts? Will the apostle Paul ever make an appearance? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. So right now, the the chosen show that we're doing right now is seven seasons. Uh, it doesn't go into the book of Acts. Uh, we may or may not end up doing movies or miniseries or you know TV shows that go farther. Uh, right now, I'm just again trying to do one thing at a time. But but yeah, if if God uh, wants me to be making Bible stories the rest of my life, I could do a whole lot worse. So that would be uh, amazing, yeah. man. Having I could just see the miniseries Paul and just having the story of the Apostle Paul before he gets saved. After oh man. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay. Anyways, I'm not a director or creator or anything, but I think that would just be a really cool show. Somebody said, how many people audition to play Jesus? So yeah, like I just said, when we did that short film, it was a small thing because it was just a short film for my church. I would say probably about seven or eight people auditioned for that particular role. But again, that was a small role in, a, uh, in that short film. And Jonathan had actually auditioned for a different role. So then when I had him audition for Jesus, decision made, and I haven't seen anyone else since then. That's awesome. I love that. Someone said, when will the last two episodes come out on the chosen app? So yeah, good question. Cause some people are like, wait a minute. Well, if I don't have the money for theaters, I want to be able to watch it. Yes. Of course it's still going to, as always be free and easy to watch in the chosen app. So Thursday and Friday, again, you don't have to go both nights. Obviously it's, it's, it's a, uh, you just go one of those two nights, uh, Thursday, the second or Friday, the third, or when it's in theaters Sunday, two days later, Sunday, the fifth, uh, episode seven will be uh, launched on, on as a big live stream in the chosen app. And then Tuesday, instead of the following Sunday, like we normally do on Sundays, because the next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and because we have already put those two episodes in theaters, we're actually going to uh, speed it up a little bit and put the season finale, episode eight. We're doing our big live stream uh, on Tuesday, uh, okay. the 7th. And so those are going to be at night, Tuesday night? And yeah, then so it'll be Sunday. It'll be, yeah, it'll be Sunday night uh, is episode seven at seven Eastern. And then Tuesday night at nine Eastern uh, will be the big live stream for uh, the season finale, episode eight. Awesome. If you're, not, if, if you're not seeing it in the theaters. But I'm telling you, you really should see this in theaters because I, I promise you there's some scenes and some moments that like 
demand to be on a big screen and seeing it with everybody and laughing and crying together, you can't beat it. So if you can, I know not everyone can, but if you can, you should really should try to see it in theaters. Uh, this is These are by far our most epic and cinematic episodes we've ever done. Awesome. And I believe it's in about 2000 theaters, if I'm not mistaken. I looked at a lot of the lists of where it's at. In my area, I'm in California, it's everywhere. It's in pretty much every theater in most of the cities, at least where I'm at. There's like five in my area where it's going to be playing. So make sure you guys type in your zip code, check to see if you can see it in your area. It's it's in about 2000 theaters. Is that correct? Yeah, that's just a little under 2000. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Okay, last question. I think you already actually talked about this. Um, someone said, are you Reformed? Are you Pentecostal? Are you Charismatic? Are you Evangelical? I think you already said you're Evangelical. Is that correct? Yeah, so I'm an Evangelical. Uh, I would say I'm, my my background is probably predominantly would, would be considered Baptist, but I'm a not essentially non-denominational. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah, I'm a, a you know, old, you know, Bible is the word of God. Uh, needs no uh, imp improvements. Uh, I, I would I would consider myself if if, if the, here's you know Pentecostal charismatic. You know you walk in and people are all yelling and dancing and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm not uncomfortable, but I'm. Uh, and then if this side is more the we sing hymns and we don't believe <laughs> healings happen anymore, I would say I'm you know I'm I'm more in the middle here. So gotcha, awesome. Well, Dallas, is there any closing remarks you wanted to make? Any conclusions? I thought it was absolutely amazing time. You answered so many good questions that I know my audience has had, people have had. And I, I pray that a lot of you that maybe were on the fence would go watch it, go give it a chance. Maybe before you make a decision, watch an episode or two and then make your choice whether you're going to continue to watch it. Is there any uh, like just closing remarks you'd like to make or anything maybe that I missed in the questions? No, just I appreciate this. Uh, I love these kinds of conversations. Uh, the, the fact that you've been willing to have an intellectually honest discussion. And I'm sure there's things that uh, on which we, we might not always agree, but I think that when we're talking about YouTube, especially, or Facebook or some of these social channels where people have the opportunity to express their opinion so vociferously, mm. uh, regardless of their background, regardless of their authority, I'm like, this is all good. It's a free exchange of ideas. I just do say, look, I don't personally care if you don't like the show. And if you don't want to watch it, I'm not going to beg you to watch it. That said, I just do hope that when you see headlines or titles of YouTube videos, or someone comes in comments and says, did you know that Dallas XYZ, that you would just not take that as gospel any more mm. than you take the show as gospel. Yeah. Just take, just take 10 minutes to, to, you know, say, okay, this guy just said that Dallas is a Mormon, for example. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to go to the chosen YouTube page and I'm going to look up Dallas's video where he talks about this. And it's I'm good. just going to be, I'm just going to be, I'm going to have the same kind of grace for Dallas, for the show, for anyone that on the surface I may disagree with. I'm going to have the same amount of grace for them that I hope that people have for me. And I don't think anyone would enjoy waking up and seeing a, a, a YouTube video with 200,000 views yeah. where the title, where the title in itself is inaccurate about them. But look, it doesn't personally hurt me. I care about what God thinks. I don't have a fear of man. I'm just saying, consider that Yeah. when you take uh, so what someone else says about a third party before you go public with it or make a comment because those comments are public and you don't take them down. And so once you say something that you claim as fact, uh, it's 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 it, you can't take it back. And so just take it, that extra minute to consider: Am I right? Is what I heard right? Have I heard both sides before you uh, before you come out and call someone a heretic or so or good. as fact something that might be opinion. 
Preach, man. That's a good word. I, I want to just ask, I guess, or say one last thing. Are you pretty plugged into like what people are saying? Are you on YouTube looking at stuff, going through comments, or are you pretty much like, hey, I'm busy, I'm doing my thing? I mean, how plugged in are you when it comes to, I mean, social media is obviously massive right now to get the word out, to get, like, even if you watch like one of the shows I love is Shark Tank, where they do the businesses, and every single business, they're like, how big are you on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube? That's like the world now. Is that something you're pretty plugged into looking at um, on your time <laughs> off or anything like that? So I would say it's a mix. So when we first started and, and it was just me and a, and a partner and we were first trying to launch this show, I was the one up till three in the morning responding to every comment. And because, I mean, we were we were fighting and scratching and clawing for every viewer. Um, and so that was part of the job was trying to build an audience. So social media is very, very important to the chosen. It's a huge part of how we got to where we are. Yes. And we're going to always continue that. We have a direct relationship with our audience. It's why I do live streams. Yep. It's why we have a... a a whole team of people that are trying to respond to as many comments as possible. For me personally, I of course no longer have the time to do as much as I used to, but like occasionally I log on to YouTube and just because it's my off time or whatever, or I'm going to go on and just maybe take 10 minutes to, to respond to comments just because I don't want to lose mm, that kind of so connection. Good. I don't want to just become like, well, I'm too busy now to know what my viewers think. So when I open YouTube, obviously because YouTube knows that I'm or Facebook or whatever, they know that I watch chosen stuff and that I do chosen stuff. Anything that's about the chosen is sometimes going to come onto my yeah. feed. And so sometimes I'll see just pop up like a video uh, that just pops up on my feed that just says, you know, Dallas Jenkins says X. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting to learn about myself. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> I, didn't, I said that. I didn't know I said that. Yeah. And then, so uh, I used to watch those videos just because I was like, so intrigued, like, where, what, what are they saying about me? Well, now they're all, they're all kind of the same. They all think yeah. Dallas, they all think Dallas Jenkins says that Mormons and evangelicals believe the same thing. And I'm like, I've already clarified that, that I don't believe that it was a comment I made five years ago about some friends of mine, you know, get over it. But so a lot of yeah. this stuff, I'm like, I don't have time for anymore, but occasionally, um, like I said, your, your, your streams do very well. So they come on my feed yeah. and I'm like, I'd love to check in and see what Isaiah thinks and read some awesome. of the comments. Not because I'm like, I, I, I so want them to like me. It's just more like, Hey, yeah. it's, it's good to know kind of what, what, what impacts them, what, what uh what they care about and and uh and and i think anyone is is benefits from knowing what uh what people think of and what they're passionate about in their walk with christ that's so good and i want to encourage everyone too to watch the chosen streams i get off of my stream and i go watch your guys's after streams and then you guys have like an after after stream on the chosen app that i enjoy watching them and seeing some of the characters like normal people i'm like wow these people are normal you know and so i love that and i think man keep doing that because i know the building my community the last few years is people love the relatability they love seeing you they love hearing from you and they feel like you build that community so i think the chosen's been so strong because of that so i would just man continue to lean into that with creators with people even the fact that you're willing to just to come on a live stream tonight when you're super busy you have a massive premiere next week i think is huge and so i honor you i appreciate you if there's anything you ever need from our community from us anything you ever need that we can do let us know and man thank you so much for being on tonight i really really honor you and appreciate that thank you Isaiah. it's been a, it's been a, been, a, been a thrill i really appreciate it awesome well, we'll talk soon thanks so much dallas have a great night yep, bye -bye. all right god bless Wow, what an amazing time, guys. Dallas Jenkins of The Chosen. That's a, that's such an honor to be able to have the creator of The Chosen on the show. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.